We're back, people. We are back. Your favorite sports podcast, Roman the Airwaves, rolling with Ramos, is back. As I always am, I happen to be the one that holds the last name Ramos. I always and specifically want to thank my daddy for that one. Mike Ramos in heaven, I love you. Every day, I miss you. Every day. Episode 132 of them things. We are pushing to 150. If you missed this last week, you know, sometimes things happen. Working with the elements. Don't judge us. Anyways, episode 132. I know a lot of y'all would think we pay homage back to Magic Johnson, but we're going to take it around a little bit and go to football. Jim Brown edition, episode 132, the Jim Brown edition. Now, as you can see, the person that I'm sitting next to, hypothetically speaking, because you know, you're not in my house and I'm not in yours, but you are to my right. Or I'm to your left, depending on your screen. The person that's sitting next to me is a good, good friend of mine. It's not Tristan. Tristan's on location this week. He's not with us this week. But, you know, I always happen to call up the big guns. He always answers. Granted, you know, he got to, he got to, he got to, he got to let me know he got the time. You know what I'm saying? You know, he gotta he gotta go back to the boss and let me know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Luckily for me, he has the time. Mike Patton, you're rolling with Ramos. Shout out to you and your series on women in sports that you allowed me to be so eloquently a part of. He had a lot of other women in sports on there. And shout out to all that you do. Tell the people hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and uh, thank you for allowing me again to uh, be a part of this wonderful, wonderful show. I appreciate you. All right. So as my voice is so elevated and so high, this is the part of, it goes down because this is the part of sports, um, Mike, where you 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 quickly see because we tend to forget, but you quickly see. That, you know, let me get my charger just in case my phone wants to act funny, you know. But you quick, this is the part of sports where you quickly see that, you know, it's bigger than whatever the sport is, you know. And there's certain things that happen that, you know, it brings back the humanistic part of it because we are all human. We just. LeBron's just like me. He just can play basketball better than me. <laughs> and here we are, and this is where it takes us. A memorial service for Dwayne Haskins Jr., who was killed this past Saturday when he was hit by a dump truck, will be held April 22nd in Pittsburgh. The service will be held at the Allegheny Center Alliance Church from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. with a visitation preceding the memorial from 10 to 11. Calabria Haskins, Dwayne Haskins' widow, said in a statement Wednesday, Haskins, 24, was killed when he was struck by a dump trunk on I-595 in South Florida early Saturday morning. She says, I would like to express my sincerest gratitude to every being, every loving soul who has supported our family during this arduous time of loss. 
She says the overwhelming thoughts and prayers have been fuel for an emotional de emotional depletion. The meaningful touches and impact Dwayne made as a husband, son, brother, teammate, and friend is a timeless treasure inbred in our souls. She added, my husband was more than a great football player. He had the smile of a rainbow that touched the diversity of so many. He will forever rest and remain in our hearts till the end of time. He was the Heisman Trophy finalist at Ohio State in a first-round draft pick by the Washington Commanders in 2019. Haskins was entering his second season with the Pittsburgh Steelers and was in South Florida to train and bond with teammates when he was killed. Memorial services for Haskins also will be held April 23rd at at a church at noon at church at Christ Church in Rockaway Township, New Jersey, and the following day at Bullis School in Potomac, Maryland. Mm -hmm. Wow, twenty-four mm -hmm. years old. I'm. We both are happy. We both are lucky to say that we've lived to see twenty-four, but he stops his life at twenty-four. It has such a such a, a accomplishment of a life prior to his his death. He was going. We all know Ben Roethlisberger has retired, so that Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback position, Mike, it was open. He was going to make a triumphant stretch for that starting role. We won't get a chance to see if he got it. How will football remember Dwayne Haskins Jr.? How will you remember Dwayne Haskins Jr.? Well, I know some in football have let their voices be heard, and uh, you know, mainly, mainly in Mr. Adam Schefter and uh, Gil Brandt, and I don't agree with how they went about it. I thought that was uh, very tacky and rude and disrespectful. Um, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about them. I'm going to talk about Dwayne Haskins, the guy, the guy, the person. With Dwayne Haskins, he wasn't necessarily – he didn't necessarily have a great career plan, but we're not about that. We're going to talk about what his teammates uh, said about him, that he, he was always there. He was always, you know, smiling, there, caring, being there for them. Sure, he had his, his, his issues playing on the field, but it's not about that. It's about the relationships that were there. Uh, and, you know, I, I was talking to Emory Hunt this week, uh, football game plan. He, he, he actually, you know, does uh, drafts and goes over, you know, different players and their abilities and, and just assesses them. And he was talking about that he, he believed that Haskins had a very good shot to actually take the starting job, despite them bringing in Mitch Trubisky this year. And, you know, that he, he fully believed that. And with him working hard and doing the different things and kind of starting to head in that one direction, it's, it's very sad that we won't see him eclipse that turnaround in his career or that, that, high point in his career, that triumphant return, as you spoke of, uh, because of his untimely passing. And, and uh, you know, prayers out to his family. And, uh, you know, I definitely uh, pray for strength and, uh, during this difficult time for them. It's crazy because um, drafting him number one, the Redskins commanders at the time, and it was so much high expectation. And I think with the atmosphere of wanting to win so quickly and wanting to have success so fast, we let him go so prematurely. We didn't give him a chance. And then if you're looking at the scope, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, if you're looking at the scope of Deshaun Watson 
and you're looking at Dwayne Haskins, both guys that everyone says needed a maturity check, needed to, you know, turn it around and, you know, they're young guys and they got to give, got to give them time to understand and develop and, and understand how to be a teammate and understand how to lead teams. Dwayne, we saw, I guess, his his fall from grace when he left the Commanders after such a successful time at Ohio State and all the high expectations. But after that, what you also saw was somebody dedicated to turning it around. You know, he was dedicated to getting back to prime football. You never caught him in the media pointing a finger at anybody else but himself. And you saw this young man on a quest to try to prove that he was who everybody thought he was. Uh, and, and it's just unfortunate. There's been so many conspiracy theories. We're still, we still have to figure out what he was doing on that interstate highway. Someone and, and someone saying they saw him with his arms up. There's so many conspiracy theories and hopefully we'll find out the definite truth behind his death. But you know, it doesn't make it even, it doesn't make it even better. Does it? it I don't know where you were, but when that went across my my screen on my phone, I said, "What?" <laughs> I was at my uh, I was at my daughter's uh, flag football game. She was getting ready to go out there and practice, and you know, I double taked when I looked at my phone, and I I couldn't believe what was uh, coming across my phone. Shout out to the DMV because shout out to him, he did spend some time playing in Potomac. Maryland and it's just 24 these athletes at such young age do so many things at 24 at 24 this man has was a high trophy winner and has played in the NFL I was just trying to find myself still at 24 <laughs> I believe we all were and the thing is he had to do it more in a spotlight in front of everyone as opposed to doing it in a lesser light like me and you yeah Memorials all around. The Capitals played homage to Dwayne Haskins. So did the Wizards um, on their Megatrons. Um, taken too soon. And what is it about Florida? Oh, my gosh. Florida takes some. Sean Taylor dies in Florida. He dies in Florida. Oh, man. It's just. Don't. <laughs> oh, man. It's just crazy. But. Um, Can I say one more thing? Huh? Yeah. Can I say one more thing? Um, you know, one thing I also want to want to address too is, you know, Chase Claypool had a heartfelt, uh, you know, moment, you know, expressing himself as to what happened to, uh, what happened and, 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 you know, the killing and, and things like that. And, and, you know, the, the dump truck hitting him and he was crying tears. Yes. And, you know, some people weren't necessarily, taking too kind to him, expressing him emo his emotions. And I need people to understand that man, woman, pro athlete, whatever, it's okay to express your emotions. Don't clown somebody for expressing their emotions because that's being human. He's grieving. He's feeling for his fallen brother. So I just I just had to say something there because that that bothered me seeing some of those comments and you need to wonder why some people are so bottled up and things like that. And then they bottle it all in and explode. This is the reason why. Because people, when they express their emotions, people clown them for expressing them sometimes. 
specifically men, specifically even more black men. And you know what's crazy? You you say that because although we lost the great Kobe Bryant, the beauty in that was we were open to experience how men mourn, specifically black men. You're turning on a TV and Shaq is bawling. Tracy McGrady is crying. And these are things you're not used to seeing from these guys. Allen Iverson is visibly upset and at all-star break. And you can see him and Dwayne Wade embrace, you know, the brotherhood. People don't understand. Yeah, these guys are competitors. But the brotherhood that comes from being in the league and growing up together and doing this together, you know, it's a lot. And like I said, the beauty in watching full circle how men deal with their emotions. And, you know, we don't allow men to do that often. I think a lot of people, you know, a lot of people laugh about the Will Smith and Chris Rock slap, but you're clearly saying a black man have a meltdown in front of America and it was taken totally left. Wrong decision, but totally un, 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 non-understood. So let us, like Mike said, let us continue to be kind to one another, specifically in time like this. Let us continue to be, let us be kind to athletes in times like this. Dwayne Haskins Jr., gone too soon, may you rest easy. Moving forward to some lighter news. Now, as I put golf, Mike, in my notes, which I haven't, I don't know when the last time me, you, or anybody else ever talked about golf in a long time. Golf has been going on, but and and Phil Mickelson, we can talk about everybody, McElroy. But when this guy got on the green, TVs, the television was turned back on again, and you can't say golf without saying his name. Tiger Woods, according to Morning Read Golf at a Glance, Tiger Woods will play in two-day J.P. McManus Pro-Am in Ireland the week prior to the British Open at St. Andrews, according to an announcement via the tournament tournament's Twitter account. Woods, who is 46, who finished 47th last week at the Masters in his first official tournament since a serious car crash, led to significant injuries to his right leg 14 months ago, said Sunday after the final round at Augusta National that he would be playing at the old course for the 150th playing of the British Open. Now, granted, he finished 47th. But how big was it to see Tiger Woods walk that green? Despite the finish, despite it all, at one point, he was three shots back from the league, and you're thinking a goat is a goat, no matter how, no matter what happens to him. In the event, you you that innate nature to play. Tiger Woods, we watched him sol- um, somberly a couple of months ago, almost proclaim that he would almost never know if he would play golf again. Mike, how big was it to see Tiger Woods walk that green? I mean, it was it was uh, very big to see that. I mean, not only. To watch him on the green, but also to the symbolism of him fighting back from the different things that he's had to fight through. I mean, he literally lost his leg. People said he would never play again. Yet here he was out there again, standing strong, fighting through some pain towards the end and still trying to come back and show everyone, hey, 
I'm not done. I'm going to do this on my terms. And it was huge. And I, it, I, I definitely uh, definitely tuned in a little bit to actually watch him. And I, I haven't tuned in to watch golf. And, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I can't remember last time. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I turned in to watch, tuned in to watch golf. I cannot remember at all. His name is on the the someone else is winning and clearly <laughs> winning and we're talking about Tiger at 47. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Mm, all I can say is uh oh go ahead. Oh all I can say is this wow, wow, you know, it, it, when you have Tiger Woods out there, it truly does not matter who's winning or who's losing. You're going to talk about Tiger Woods. He says he's going to play the big tournaments. Not sure if he's going to do the whole tour. Can he get one? Will he no. get one? I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'd love to see it, but I don't see it. I, I, I want to say yes, but just watching him, how he was in the last little bits, of that that um that uh, that that golf tournament uh that was that nah I just can't see it he's gonna start out strong but the thing is him having the endurance in his legs to finish and I'm not sure that endurance ever comes back in the event that he does and you have to bite these words <laughs> <laughs> all you can say is tiger tiger woods y'all that's right. That's right. Well, I'll take my golf clubs and ride out to Ted Rose Park, which is right near Tennessee State University, and, and swing a golf club. It's <laughs> funny. Even if he doesn't win, the closer he gets to the leaderboard, I don't know. Seeing him is enough for people. Yeah. I, I'm seeing him, yeah, but if he, if he, I mean, honestly, he doesn't have to win for people to be out there. It just changes the dynamic when he's on there, on the, on the course in general. I mean, just one thing I was paying attention to, just look at the commercials, how the commercials are different for him compared to other golfers. You know, they're talking about different stuff that probably some of us have never heard of or never even talked about. We're talking about Buick and Nike with yes. Tiger Woods. <laughs> No other, no other person even knows if, if what these people are sponsored by in terms of golf, you know. And, and then you know, Tiger Woods is sponsored by Nike. That's pretty much all we know. It gets real urban, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Tiger Woods. Hey, look, if you rocking, I'm still rolling. I'm gonna watch or, or at least pay attention to you every time. And it's and it's crazy because the sport knows that itself. They understand that dismal, dismally they're without Tiger. With Tiger there, it's a whole enhancement. And everybody else, even even everybody else around him knows that too. And it's just, you feel sorry for everybody else, but it's also, <laughs> it's also the respect factor of how the true dominance of Tiger Woods was over the last, what, decade, two decades? Like, this man controls golf. Yeah, that's a testament. I mean, it just it was amazing to watch him. And then you got people. Uh, I mean, no offense to anyone that goes to church. We got people calling out, uh, not going to church just so they can watch Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's talk about your favorite subject, Mike. Before we get into some NBA, we know y'all want to talk about some NBA. Before we get into some NBA, 
The WNBA draft took place in New York. Ryan Howard was selected by the Atlanta Dream number one overall out of Kentucky. Nalissa Smith went number two out of Baylor. Shakira Austin, welcome to D.C., baby. She's straight out of Ole Miss. She went number three. She went to the Mystics. Emily Engelsler, Engelsler of Louisville at number four went to the Indiana Fever. And they gained my favorite girl because Henny can ball. Shout out to Henny. Destiny <laughs> Henderson. She also goes to the Fever. Shout out to the Gamecocks. Shout out to South Carolina. She's your reigning women's champion of basketball. So shout out to her. Oh, How are we feeling it. about the grading process of this WNBA uh, draft? How are we feeling about where everybody has gone? I'm excited to see Shakira in D.C. with Cloud. I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, looking at the grades, and I know, I don't know if any Indiana Fever folks are watching, but I think they got a high grade because of the majority of draft picks that they had. They had five draft picks, but honestly, if you look at uh, uh, Egbo and Hull, they were both players. Uh, Lexi Hull, I'm sorry, is from Stanford, and then Egbo was the teammate of uh, can't remember the the, uh, the the woman that got selected by the Fever early, but um, they were teammates at Baylor. So you know you have you have two people that got picked a way a little bit earlier than what anyone thought they would. So Kind of mm, a little iffy there, but, you know, the other picks, I'm like, okay, cool. I get those, and, you know, Henny definitely is possible in Indy, and somebody's catching the pink slip because she's there. But uh, how, good, how good was this draft based on, you know, the uh, South – everybody wanted to talk about uh, North Carolina and the men's final, but that South Carolina-UConn game did big numbers for the NCAA, and it really truly sucks that that didn't get paid attention to a lot. But how big was the draft in women's sports this year with such a big uh, NCAA final? Not only an NCAA final, but such a big WNBA final. This year has been great. The math's still not math in WNBA. We still got to figure out why y'all don't have no money. It's been how many years? I I could tell that story. I can give you uh, some, some thoughts on that. Which really sucks because look at these numbers. You have Mm -hmm. a WNBA final with all the big hitters that you have in that one. Brittany Griner, please let her get home safe. We're still not paying enough attention to that. Uh, Brittany Griner and and, and Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird, and you're talking Candace Parker. And then you have the NCAA finals with the Gamecocks, and you got you got UConn, and you got you got all these 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 big names. And then here you go with this WNBA draft. But how how good is that to see a continuance of eyes on the WNBA? I mean, honestly, I loved it. Actually, that was that was probably the uh, – I mean, I've watched the WNBA uh, in terms of keeping up with everything, but I liked it that they brought it a little bit more live to us. Uh, I liked it that they have the analysts sitting up there. You got Rebecca Lobo on one side, and you got uh, – God, I'm forgetting names, and people are going to kill me for forgetting names. But uh, you just had the analysts up there, and I love that part of it. I mean, I know a few people that were actually there at the event covering it and working it. I was like, man, you know, I will say this, though, uh, even though, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to say I, I, I've got two nominees for the, for the person that, you know, speaks to someone when they get drafted. Tarika Foster Brasby 
and Christina Williams. One of those two need to be doing that next year as opposed to the person that did it. But other than that, I loved it. It was cool to me. You had actual players there um, looking at their team, drafting players, and them actually meeting their some of their teammates right there at the draft. I mean, I loved it. I loved it. And I'm, I will say this, though. Also, you know, in terms of draft grades, the, the Las Vegas Aces, I like what they did. They got a versatile power forward that can stretch the floor. And now Asia Wilson's going back to the center spot with Liz Cambage gone. So now it gives her all that paint and shooters all around her, which is huge. Then you got Kirsten Bell coming in off the bench. That was at Florida Gulf Coast, and she can flat out score. So I love what the Las Vegas Aces did, as well as I will say the Sparks. They, they you know, I got to, I got to root for my team now. That, that's my team in the WNBA. So okay. I gotta say they did, they did well. But even though people may say they didn't, I, I like what they did. <laughs> I, as even if we go back to commentary when Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird were, who knew Diana Taurasi? <laughs> the mouth on Diana Taurasi, but even that was funny. She knew what she was doing. But anyway, <laughs> let's go into the NBA. <laughs> and you know, I feel like this show is doing this because we go back down the the Richter scale because. I am so sick of talking about this team and how much they suck. <laughs> <laughs> and they suck with all these people on there, and it's crazy. But they did not make the playoffs. They were eliminated. And as a result, somebody had to pay. CBSSports.com. <laughs> Lakers do not make the play-in. The Lakers announced firing of Vogel Monday. That is Frank Vogel. The Lakers, winners of the 2020 NBA championship under Vogel, entered the season as Western Conference favorites. They failed to live up to that mantle due to a combination of injuries, age, a poorly built roster, and mismanagement of that roster. They closed the season with a 33-49 and 49 record. Now Vogel is paying the price for their failure and has been removed from his position as coach less than two years after leading the Lakers to the title. Today is not going to be a day of finger pointing and unwinding all the specific reasons. Sure. Lakers general manager Rob Palinka said of the decision to remove Vogel, we felt organizationally at the highest level, it was time for a new voice. That's not to say anything against the incredible accomplishments that Frank Vogel has had. He was a great coach here and he's going to go on to be a great coach somewhere else. This was disappointing. This was a disappointing Lakers season at every level, Palenka said. Added, in the face of disappointment, our fans expect more and our ability to construct the right roster. It starts with the coaches holding players accountable and making sure there's on court execution. Sure, Rob. <laughs> Let's start with Frank Vogel, okay? A lot of people saying the Lakers winning the bubble wasn't really a win in the wasn't really a real championship because of how the pandemic had to do it and the outside and it's an AAU tournament style it seems so a lot of people saying that that real championship whether it was for Kobe or whoever they was fighting for in there it wasn't real Frank Vogel still led this led him there there was so much star power around him this was a frustrating season but is it too easy to name him the scapegoat. 
very much easy to name him the scapegoat. Hey, can I address that though about the yes, fake please. championship? Yes, please. Okay, people, you, I've got you got got to bring this break this down, to everyone. You got to also realize neither one of these teams is traveling. Um, they're playing in the same place. No fans are there, so essentially, it's probably harder because you have no home court advantage. You have no people there, and there's no travel to places. So you don't have an advantage of staying at home and them coming to you. So I would say in that aspect, it probably was a harder championship than an easier championship. But as opposed to uh, as opposed to Mr. Uh, Bobble, if somebody had to catch the the catch the the uh, the heat for what happened. Unfortunately, it was him. But you know, if you look at the roster, it wasn't necessarily the most well constructed roster. Um, you brought in Kendrick Nunn, and Kendrick Nunn doesn't play one game the entire season. He's sitting on the bench literally the entire season with a knee injury. Um, you have Monk and you have Carmelo Anthony. Now, I love Carmelo Anthony, but the thing is, he's not necessarily a solid – he's not a guy you can depend on defensively. You can't have two guys that are hard on defense – hard to – you know, not necessarily great defensively on the court at the same time. you got to have one or the other, but the Lakers chose to put both of them on the court. So that might be something that Bogle – been more responsible for there but other than that you look at this roster how is he supposed to win a lot with this roster and if if, especially if he can't control if ad is healthy or not if ad is healthy maybe it makes a more of a difference they make the playoffs and they catch a rhythm but other than that hey he's got to work with the pieces he has and uh you mean ad played half the season lebron missed a good bit of games and russell westbrook never caught his rhythm with this team at all and i will say this you know, it wasn't Frank Vogel that brought him in. So he can only do what he can do. He just didn't do it well enough, and he caught the fake for that one. Live by the super team, die by the super team, and this has been the catalyst of LeBron James' career. How much is he to blame for this? This well, is honestly, the team he put together. Well, honestly, I've heard differing reports on that because I've heard that – um I've heard that he reached out to Russell and things like that, but then I heard another story. I heard another story that Rob Palenka didn't want to give DeMar DeRozan an additional year on his contract because he wanted all of uh, the contracts to end at the same time in terms of LeBron James and other contracts on that team. Um, So with not doing that, that brought in the Russell Westbrook era. So if that doesn't, if, if he gives that extra year, then you may see DeMar DeRozan actually playing with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And looking at the season he had, I'm pretty sure he would have fit better than Russell Westbrook. So there's kind of differing reports there. But the main thing is, you know, hey, LeBron's going to take the the bear of the brunt regardless of what actually really happened anyway. I was disappointed in Anthony Davis. I feel like. Oh, I was very disappointed in him. First of all, Every time he goes down, you're thinking, okay, it's six to eight weeks on this one. Every time he goes down, <laughs> you're thinking, oh, hell, how long he going to be out this time? But at the same time, you, it's like he leaves New Orleans. He's this big entity in New Orleans. And mm-hmm. then he comes to the Lakers. And we finally get this, 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 this double-team tangent of him and LeBron. He wins the championship. And somewhere, somehow, he just said, I don't got to play like I played. I used to play, but no, you are the guy now it's LeBron's team. 
but you are the youngest one on this team. And for him to have the season that he didn't have, Mike, that was very disappointing for me. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Uh, the thing I looked at with Anthony Davis is it, look at him. Look at him on the court, just physically look at him. It's like he tried to beef up this year, and he didn't look himself. The thing that you do when you get older, you don't add more weight. You kind of slim down and tone up more. Look at especially what LeBron did. Oh my God. What's that? I said, especially as big as he is. You're right. Right, right. And the thing I would say that needs to happen this offseason, and people can tell me I'm crazy, but I said this last offseason too. He needs to train with LeBron. Do everything LeBron does. Because for some reason, LeBron has always been healthy or mostly healthy his entire career in terms of, you know, the last couple of years he's had a few injury issues. But for the majority of his career, he's been healthy. You need to take what you've been doing, invest some of that money in your body and taking care of yourself and follow the exact plans that LeBron James lays out to take care of himself. It's crazy Near with him. the year LeBron had and the Lakers just trashed like this. Yeah, it was almost like the biggest year of his career. Right. Kobe, you're number two in scoring. Mm -hmm. This man is still productive at 36, the way he is. It's 18 Mm -hmm. seasons. He should be, we should be talking about LeBron like, okay, LeBron, when you gonna hang it up? (laughs) You know how you 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 know how you look at certain players by a certain age and you're like, it's hard for me to watch you like this no more. It's time for you to ride in the sunset. And with LeBron, it's like he giving father time that finger you give somebody when you like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to leave when I want to leave. And it sucks that this had to transpire like this. Will we see a resurgent Lakers team? Of course, it's, it's going to depend on what their offseason looks like. Or will we see the last couple of years of a falter? This is a total remake. Does Westbrook leave? And who, but who takes that contract on? Well, I was actually talking with one of my friends. Uh, shout out to uh, Danny Thompson. Yep. Well, I was talking to Danny, and uh, he had a nice, quiet little idea for me. Okay. <laughs> you ready? Are you ready to hear this? Yes, I am ready. All right. Russell Westbrook's probably not going to go anywhere. Just my thinking. But he did throw the idea out there that uh, Mr. Gordon Hayward, apparently there's talk out there that he's not happy. He wants out of Charlotte. So. Here's the idea I throw out there. He threw at me a Gordon Hayward and a Terry Rozier to L.A. for a Russell Westbrook in Charlotte. Now, I'll say this. It's probably contingent on Russell Westbrook taking a buyout or something because I don't think he would last very long being alongside LaMelo Ball. But that's what I I gather. Other than that, I've got – no other things. And, and the funny thing is, he was almost traded this past season <laughs> for John Wall, who he had been traded for before. <laughs> How did that work out, Wizards? Whew. You thought you were going to get the same guy. Look what you did to your look what you did to your, your backcourt. You 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 let go of your franchise based on an on an assumption, not even giving John Wall a chance to come back to see what he would be even look like. And Bradley Bill, as great as he is, you still didn't find a way to build around him. And when you did, it, it worked for a minute and it didn't. Shout out to that. And no star wants to go to D.C. I'm sorry. Bradley Bill isn't as alluring as John Wall. But anyway, we've heard 
You you bring up Gordon Hayward. It's been so long. Who knew that experiment in Boston wasn't going to work out? Oh my God! In Utah, he was the main. And then here we go, and he literally walked on the court and got hurt. And we never yep. saw what happened, what we were looking to see in Boston. And then when he came back, it was just an unorthodox situation. And I haven't said Gordon Hayward's name in a long time. But well, um, I'll say Mark this: Jackson, say there's rumblings of Mark Jackson. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. I've also heard uh, Quinn Snyder and uh, Nick Nurse. So I actually, honestly, I actually like the idea of Nick Nurse being the coach out there. I like that idea. Well, in true L.A. fashion of Hollywood, we'll continue to talk about the Lakers all summer now, won't we? <laughs> Talking about the people that are actually playing. Next, 115-108, Ramadan Kyrie Irving, 34 points, 12 assists. How are we talking ah, about boy. the Nets? Who have to go play in Boston? Now, I will say this. Kyrie better be playing like this after all the time that he's had off. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, and two, I want to see because this is the after effects, Mike. And correct me if I'm wrong. This is the after effects of trading for a guy like James Harden. What happens is you empty out your clip. We got to see what Seth Curry does, but you empty out, out your clip, which means the bench is depleted at this point in time. And here we are looking at Kevin Durant, who's always already had so much mileage on him in this in the in the season anyway. Thank God Tyree can actually be there full throttle. But now you're seeing the fact that how the hell are they gonna do this every night against Boston? And I'm not saying that Boston is the Boston that they were a year ago, but how can they do that again this against Boston, the starting five against Boston, and do it repetitively against a Boston team whose defense is decent? Honestly, they're they're gonna have to get some uh, some points from uh, as as Shaq calls them the others. The others are going to have to show up. Patty Mills is going to have to show up. Uh, let's see who else. Seth Curry is going to have to show up. And then there's a particular gentleman that's uh, hasn't played all season but wants to play in the playoffs. <laughs> they actually might show up in Game Four in dramatic fashion. Fashion, as I might as I might add. So. They're going to have to get the others to step up. And, you know, Ben Simmons, if, if people are expecting him to come back and save the day, you also got to remember he can't hit the free throw. He can't hit a jump shot. He's going to the best impact he's going to have is on defense, trying to stop people, which they're going to need that against Jason Tatum and uh, uh, Jalen Brown. They're definitely going to need that against those two because they're playing at an unbelievable level right now, not only offensively, but just – uh, not only scoring, I should say, but being playmakers and also being leaders. And they're finally accepting Yume Adoka and his criticisms and his ability to push them to be better and demand them to be better players. There's a team that I, I'm going to talk about two other teams. because we, I mean, of course, we got to talk about the playing. But as of special request, there, there are these teams, this team did not play yet. We're still waiting for them in the first round. But, um, how are we looking at Philly? Is this Philly's year to do this? Because this is, hey, look, this process has been too damn long of a process. Okay? <laughs> you got to use it. This, this got to work. Will we see Philly at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals? 
I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. No on both fronts. Here's why I'm going to say no on both fronts. I'm not sure they get past Toronto. Wow. Here's why. You look at that team this year. Who's going to guard? Uh, who's really guarding Siakam? Who's got Scotty Barnes? You've got the. They've got guys coming in off the bench. They've got championship medal on that team. And Gary Trent is the guy that nobody's talking about on that team. That if he's hot, it's trouble. And then also you got to remember one key bit of evidence going into this entire series. Bible is not vaccinated, so he cannot play in Toronto. So that's your best perimeter defender not available to play a potential three games in Canada. So with all that going around and with James Harden's playoff struggles, especially when the pressure is on, I think Toronto is actually going to beat them in the first round and start the mass mess that is going to be Philly in the offseason. And the Liberty Bell will fall and everybody will lose their mind. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait. You know, everybody talks about Stephen A. Smith like a dog, but let's be real. This man deserves a lot of respect. I cannot wait to hear what he says. <laughs> that happens. Timberwolves beat the Clippers 109-104. The story in this one. The story in this one, Mike. You probably already know where I'm going with this. He had seven points, but he cried and went off like he won the NBA championship, and this was the play-in. What the hell are you doing, Patrick Beverly? <laughs> I, 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 I like this it. all the time. I, I, I actually like some of it. I like it's some a setup of it. for a loss because, <laughs> because I want that same energy because – and thank God he didn't beat LeBron because if he did, we'd be we hear about this even next year. But I, I mean, you love the enthusiasm. Come on, dude, this is a plane. It was funny <laughs> on NBA countdown and on 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 the jump though. That was funny when he was talking to Malika and them. That was funny. But you know, what the hell? <laughs> I, I actually liked it. I liked it in some senses because I was like, man. You know, he gave me a nice, good laugh. And, you know, I'm watching this. And I'm like, he's standing on tables like he just won a title, throwing his shirt in the crowd. He crying. I mean, I was like, wow. You know, and then the, the thing I love the most is, you know, Twitter is undefeated when it comes undefeated. to this. They had, they had the music going in the background like this was Coach Carter. And him jump, I was like, man, this is awesome. I love this. It's a cinematic greatness. Can someone please please play this every day so I can get a nice <laughs> laugh and just go about my day knowing everything's going to be all right. But it just, it, wow. I mean, it, that was a heck of a celebration. But, you know, the biggest winners are us for the playoffs because now we get to see Anthony Edwards at the mic and we get to see Patrick Beverly just lose his mind just a little bit. <laughs> a harsh year did he overcome something to be crying like that did he go through something personally he uh well it, it, in talking after the game of course you know he said you know he felt like he got discarded by the the los angeles clippers and thrown in the trash so that was probably where a lot of the emotion came from for him uh which hey i i get it you you had a personal vendetta 
and he surely let them know about it. But boy, oh boy, he was oh, parading around God. there. He paraded more around there. He paraded more around there than, than Derrick Rose did when he had the 50 plus point game in Minnesota. All I can think about as he's doing all these theatrics and crying is all these. It's like I had a flashback of championship celebrations, but this <laughs> wasn't a championship. All I can think of is Kevin Garnett. Anything's possible. I'm thinking Kobe standing on the scores table and the confetti flying in his arms like this. Like, and I'm like, this isn't even that moment. <laughs> I liked it. I mean, I liked it, but yeah, he did go a little bit overboard. And then, uh, you know, but the best thing he did though is after the game when he was sitting in a press conference with Anthony Edwards, yeah. he had the Budweiser sitting there because now he's probably going to get money from Budweiser to have that happen every game. Now. <laughs> I don't know what to do with Patrick Beverly, man. I don't know <laughs> You love him and hate him. You love him and hate him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You would have thought he won the seven-game series. The I don't even want to see Minnesota go to go into the playoffs if if the way he he rocking. <laughs> you gonna do this every accomplishment? Oh he probably God. does. He probably does. It, the funniest thing about him is, and then nobody knows about he this. Really don't care either. Yeah, he doesn't. He really doesn't. But the funniest thing about him that nobody really talks about is, you know, everybody talks about his defense and things like that. When he was in college at the University of Arkansas, he was actually the top, one of the top scorers in the SEC. So he can actually score. He just got to the NBA and decided, oh, well, forget that. I'm going to be this guy. Well, hey, don't, don't – he's the underdog. Don't, don't knock the underdog because he'll fight <laughs> you when, when he get what he wants. What the hell was that, Patrick? I, I, <laughs> now, every time this man does something, you got to expect this horrific – yeah, he, oh my god. Yeah, he's 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 gonna go overboard about every single time. He's gonna he's gonna seize that moment. And he got more airtime because of how theatrical it was. And that's why he was on the jump. And he was like, When did you think it is the night before? Somebody said like, <laughs> yeah, he said the night before. <laughs> he's confident in the celebration. <laughs> Anyways, last but not least, there wasn't a lot to talk about in sports this week. Granted, Dwayne Haskins goes across the screen. It's like, what? And then everything else kind of – this is the first week I've planned a show where it kind of fell into my lap this easy. But anyways, back-to-back playing losses for the Hornets. They lose to the Hawks 132-103. to 103. Trey Young says, <laughs> <laughs> let's see what the Hawks do in the playoffs. Mm-mm-mm. I'll say this. I just – Oh, that was a that had to sting if you're the Hornets fan. Good gracious, that's two years in a row, y'all got dog walked in a playing game. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, there's people yelling, talking about that Rago needs to be fired and all those different things or whatever. It's just a lot of mess. And then also you have that looming question: Do they pay Miles Bridges this offseason? Like I said, this show fell into my lap. What, excuse me, a lot to talk about in sports this week, but we handle it. Mike, tell the good people 
where they can find you and your beautiful work? Well, you can find me, of course, on Twitter, of course, at Mike Patton82. I'm out there. <laughs> You'll see me. If you don't see me, I'll see you. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and then also, that. that was a line. What's that? You got barred. Trademark that. That was a line. You got barred. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm taking notes over here. I got my pen out. But uh, <laughs> as far as uh, my show, you can catch me touring the ASC South. Uh, it's usually one to two times a week. We're, we're bumping it up to two times a week now. We're going to do two times a week. We're going to give you a weekday show and give you a weekend show. So, yeah, that that's where you can find me on all listening platforms, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever. I'm there. You're giving yourself some more work, homework. <laughs> and I'm going to say it like I said every week. Next week, we will not have a show I'm going on vacation. But after that, me and the boy Tristan, we're back and we're ready to go. We're wearing episode 133. I'm going to say it like I said every week, and I don't care if it doesn't rhyme, it's still mine. I'm Mikhail, like Kevin and Mikhail. America, deuces. Peace.